Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Coming up on our show in just a few minutes' time, we're going to have actually a really cool moment. I'm going to ask the 1982 Heisman Trophy winner, Herschel Walker, if he thinks that Jordan Davis ought to win the award in 2021 based on what he has meant to the Georgia defense thus far. I believe you're going to like Herschel's answer. We'll do that here in a couple of minutes' time as Herschel Walker joins us here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger here today. Before that, though, let me begin this way. I don't think it's very difficult to notice right now. There seems to be an incredibly different vibe around the Florida program than exists around Georgia. And this matters to me. Somebody last night on Cover 4 Live, I was looking at the comment sections and we were talking about something and somebody said, "Uh, B.A., I think you're delving too much into pop psychology on this. Well, I don't know about that. I'm not very smart, so I I don't know that I'm too qualified to delve into anything, you know, like that. I'm not even really sure I know what pop psychology even really is. However, I do know this, and anybody who's ever accomplished anything in life knows this as well, that mindset is almost as important as anything physically. That to get yourself in the right frame of mind, to get yourself in kind of the right flow state, the right rhythm, is just as important as anything you're going to do physically. So when you look at the Georgia players, you look at the Florida players, one of the reasons why Georgia is a two-touchdown favorite in this game is because Georgia physically has the better players. They're just more talented, deeper roster, more capable players, and that's been the thing that Dan Mullen's been deficient at for his entire time being at Florida. It's one of the things that Kirby Smart has excelled at. That's the reason why folks expect Georgia to win on Saturday. But don't discount this. Don't discount the degree to which the other thing that Georgia has going for it is a high degree of belief right now a high degree of buy-in right now. Smart's used that word a lot. Hey, what do you think about your defense? Well, I love their buy-in. He said that something to that effect the other day. In other words, it's not just their physical capabilities. It's their willingness to work together. It's their willingness to strive and to strain. It's their willingness to to share glory, share attention, and allow the, the team to be big and themselves potentially smaller. And you don't necessarily see that other places all the time. Frankly, I'm not quite so sure you see that at Florida very much. And going to this game on Saturday, I think Georgia fans will get themselves a little bit of a chuckle at this. So Jacob Copeland's a Florida wide receiver, and he's doing one of those, I guess, like Q&A type things on his Instagram story or whatever. I guess the the actual image here was the thing that appears in his Instagram story, and somebody had asked him a question. And Copeland, the Florida receiver, gave a very honest answer. Can we show this on the screen, Jacob Copeland? Uh, let's see if we've got the uh, Copeland deal here. Yeah, so this is from his Instagram story. I saw the Barstool UGA account shared this. So what he's asked is if he has any regrets about coming to Gainesville. <laughs> and Jacob Copeland says, yeah, kind of. Uh, that's not exactly what you want to hear. One of your most important offensive players saying going into a rivalry game. Now, I get it. Florida's lost three times, and I get there's a little bit of a weird mood around the Florida program right now. But can you imagine a Georgia player saying this going into a game against Florida? Of, I sort of have some regrets about even coming to UGA. That's not exactly the mindset you want to create going to a game like this. And by the way, doesn't it seem like Florida always has guys going rogue on social media? Like, I'm not really quite so sure what it is about that program. I'm talking about going back over the years, you know, going back predating Dan Mullen, even to like the Jim McElwain era. You've always got these Florida players who are just kind of going rogue on social media. Now, maybe that's just freedom of speech and they're just allowed to say what they want to say. Maybe that's all that is but man it doesn't create the world's best vibes does it and you know I had a few Georgia fans even share that with me I think it's pretty funny and I think Georgia fans kind of get kind of a chuckle out of that too but let me be serious though for just a second it's hard work to prevent some of that kind of stuff from happening guys thinking about themselves guys thinking about what's best for them guys thinking about the grass potentially being greener in a transfer portal or just maybe having some regrets about making the original college choice they made it is very, very easy to allow that to, to kind of fester in, in, into a program. The, the way I kind of think about this is this. Team chemistry is really hard to build, really hard to build, but it is very easy to break. One thing goes wrong, you know, one moment of adversity, and it's very easy to have people either physically jumping ship or, or certainly mentally and spiritually just jumping ship away from a program. That's why I think Georgia 
should be commended this season for in the midst of a run that right now has the Bulldogs ranked number one in the country, and who knows where it goes from there, but thus far the results have been really good. I, I think this UGA coaching staff and the players themselves, the, the players who are leaders in this team, the players who are young and trying to figure out what Georgia culture is all about and trying to match that culture with their own behavior, I think there's something you got to give Georgia a lot of credit for, for its own ability to kind of avoid the – Players going on Instagram saying, I have regrets about choosing this school. Players, you know, kind of thinking about themselves as opposed to the team goal. Team that's now lost three times in Florida. All of a sudden, you got guys wondering, is this even really the place for me? You know, Georgia is doing a pretty good job avoiding that, even though there's the potential for things to creep into the program that could divide, that that, that could cause people to want to think about themselves that could cause people to want to roll their eyes the whole idea of buying in to a team concept let me give you two quick examples of this example one involves the quarterback position we know that there's and, and Terrence Edwards has said this in the program with us the last two weeks we know there is nothing that has the potential to and the word that Terrence has used is divide there is nothing that has the, the potential to divide a team more than something going on at quarterback. You know, a split locker room of some guys think this guy should be playing, other guys think this guy should be playing. That's the one of the most toxic things you can deal with in a, in, in, in a football team. And so Kirby Smart this year, I think, has been really quite deft at how he has avoided that, even though Georgia's gone through some quarterbacking weirdness, right? If you want to go back for the start of the season, Kirby Smart made it very clear that JT Daniels was the starting quarterback because of the way that Daniels had played when he was inserted into the lineup at the end of last season. Yet, it was also pretty clear from the early going of this season that Daniels wasn't 100%, that he was dealing with a lingering muscle injury. I guess it started off as an oblique, and then it became a lat, and you know, I'll let medical people tell me how related those things are, but some muscle pain has prevented Daniels from throwing pain-free, which certainly seems like has prevented him from making all the throws he needs to make if he wants to be Georgia's starting quarterback. And so that's a real dilemma for a program to deal with when your starting quarterback's not available but lo and behold you put in Stetson Bennett and Stetson Bennett really raises his level of play and maintains a high level of performance for Georgia so all of a sudden the Georgia offense is actually humming along about as well as you thought it might especially given the fact they've also dealt with a bunch of wide receiver injuries and the unique surprise of all this is the Bulldogs are riding high with a guy as the backup quarterback playing in the starting role and that's not the kind of thing that anybody could have predicted now you get ready to move into the game on Saturday uh, against Florida. Now the starting quarterback's ready to return. So who do you play? Do you play the guy that was the start at the beginning of the season? Do you play the guy that's been playing well as of late? Do you play the guy that has the the more substantial credentials, former five-star, everything else? Do you play the guy that maybe doesn't quite have the sterling list of credentials, but hard to tell that based on the way that he's playing? That's the kind of thing that could cripple some teams. That's the kind of thing that could cause a lot of players to start thinking about themselves as opposed to what's important to buy in for the team. But Smart seems to be handling this very well. In fact, let me go back to Tuesday for a moment. Smart talking about the way in which these snaps during practice are going to be divided up. How many does JT Daniels get? How many does Stetson Bennett get? How can you get even two quarterbacks ready to go? Well, from Smart's perspective, doesn't actually seem like that's much of a problem for him, even though it's the kind of thing that to the outside world almost gets viewed as controversial. This is what Smart said on Tuesday. Between the ones and the twos reps, you can get plenty of reps for two quarterbacks. Our ones get a little more than our twos, but you know, you can go 50-50, you can go uh, 70-30, you can go 60-40. We, we prescribe that. Uh, as the week goes on and the combination of Stetson and JT is to get them both prepared because there are two quarterbacks right now. So when you hear smart say that there's, I believe a little bit of an unspoken subtext to all of this, which is if we divide the practice snaps up, whether it's 50, 50, 60, 40, or however they end up getting divided and then divide the game snaps up kind of based on what you've seen during practice, all of a sudden we're handling this in kind of a logical way. And all of a sudden, when we ultimately maybe make a choice of playing one quarterback more so than the other or, you know, playing one quarterback the majority of time, the other quarterback the, the lesser majority of the time, the idea that's going to divide the football team and tempt certain players to go running to Instagram the way that Jacob Copeland, the Florida wide receiver, apparently did this week. The idea that's going to happen for UGA is just a lot less likely to occur because all of this is playing out 
in the open. And for a guy like JT Daniels, who I am still a big believer, I don't care how well Stetson Bennett's played, the truth is I'm still a very big believer in JT Daniels as well. I think that Daniels still has great potential to have some great moments here this season. I believe there was a reason that Daniels was named the starting quarterback before the season began. But I also believe this. Daniels is not the only player on this Georgia roster with some credentials. He's not the only player on this Georgia roster that has a little bit of a big, bold print reputation. A lot of players on both sides of the ball are also former five stars there as well. And so for those guys who are grinding and scratching and clawing and fighting in practice each and every day, frankly, what they want to see is the quarterback doing the same thing. They want to see the quarterback having to come back on the field and earn his job the same way they have to earn their job each and every day. They don't want to see, no one's going to say this publicly. It's not the kind of thing that that gets talked about, but it's the kind of thing from a subtext standpoint, you just kind of understand. They want to see quarterback treated the same way all the other positions are there too. And so that's exactly what Kirby Smart is doing. And that's exactly the kind of thing that I think contributes to a positive level of team chemistry that makes the situation at Georgia different potentially than the situation at Florida. But let me give you one more example of this. And so many of y'all have been so good to, to share this with me. Obviously, we have worked really hard around here to try to get the idea of Jordan Davis as a Heisman Trophy candidate. We have worked really hard to try to get that into the universe. We've used the hashtag, hashtag JD to NYC. Y'all have been so cool as to, to do this, to, to get that hashtag out there, to share this yourself, and really kind of push this from a media standpoint. And I don't think there's any doubt this is working. I don't think there's any doubt that right now this is growing in stature to the point where in the story that was this week at ESPN.com, at one point in time it was like right there above the fold at the top of the ESPN College Football homepage. Great story from David Hale, knows the Georgia program pretty well, used to cover the team going back years ago. But in the story that David Hale wrote about Jordan Davis, there was one sentence I want to pull out and highlight here because, first of all, it speaks to the way in which the hashtag JDNYC campaign is growing. But then I kind of want to make another point about this that sort of circles back to what we've been saying before about Georgia pushing for a better version of team chemistry than maybe what Florida has. Let me, let me read you the David Hale quote here for a moment. So this is what Hale says about, ES, about Jordan Davis. There's serious Heisman buzz for Jordan Davis now, not because of the numbers on his stat sheet, which are pedestrian, but from the sheer spectacle of his play. First of all, that's a great sentence, well written by Hale. But don't you love to hear the, the, the phrase, serious Heisman buzz? This is no longer a joke. This is no longer a hype man doing a social media campaign. This is a real thing that now the entirety of the national media has kind of taken hold of. That Davis has actually arrived on the scene with a chance to further that Heisman resume on Saturday. I think all of that is really cool. But let me stay on topic at, at the topic at hand. So if what we're talking about here is, hey, Florida, from a team chemistry standpoint, going in one direction, players kind of playing for themselves, going on social media and saying they regret even choosing Gainesville. Georgia going in a different direction where everybody seems to be adopting a team first mentality, even the quarterbacks themselves competing with each other, sharing time with each other. The Georgia defense, which has been so sterling all season long, they're doing that too. The number one reason we've named Davis as the as the most likely Heisman contender off this Georgia defense is because of what he represents symbolically. And the story that David Hale writes at ESPN.com furthers that idea even more. Let me give you just one quick example of this. So Davis has a story about him winning the Heisman Trophy. Now think about that, how cool that'd be to have that about you. But at the very end of the story, there's this thing that comes up of, well, can you even win the Heisman Trophy if you're not really on the field for every down? If you're not on the on the field on third down, can you really win the Heisman Trophy? And they talk in the story about how Davis on third down typically gives way to Jalen Carter, and that's when Jalen Carter comes in the game. Well, guess what Jordan Davis does? He's quoted for this story at ESPN.com about uh, Jalen Carter, and guess what he does? He says, I love Jalen Carter, and I absolutely believe that Jalen Carter is, is more valuable than me for Georgia on third down right now. In other words, given the case to make, it, make the case for him, given the chance to make a case for himself, Jordan Davis chose not to do that. Given the chance to, to argue for why he ought to be the Heisman Trophy winner and explain why that he could be on the field on third down. He's just not. He says, nah, uh, third down's not the down for me. He says, my job is to get to third down. It's, it's Jalen Carter's job then to come in and do the big things on third down. 
that's the kind of attitude, the kind of chemistry that, that, that Georgia has working for itself as a program right now. That matters. In contrast to Florida, the team that the dog's going to beat up on Saturday, and in contrast to every team it's going to play the rest of the season. Now, listen, at some point in time, adversity may strike. It may not always be a perfect cakewalk through the rest of the season the way that it mostly has been thus far. But pay attention to this going into Saturday. This is a pretty special time to be a UGA fan. This team is not only winning games, it's also fun to watch and I believe really fun to cheer for because whether it be quarterbacks right now, JT Daniels and Stetson Bennett are sharing some time with each other. Defense, the most dominant unit in the country where everyone's sharing glory, everyone's sharing attention, and everyone's having to share their spot on the stat sheet. Right now at Georgia, no one seems to have a problem with that. I remember the old days of uh, dogs football back when Vince Dooley and Irk Russell had the big team little me t-shirts remember those that was always kind of a uh, a cool thing for Georgia football in the past well that idea first expressed back then it seems to be really really a foundational belief for this Georgia team right now notice that on Saturday notice how that makes Georgia different than Florida and we believe that's a big reason why the dogs get a big win coming up on Saturday my name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented by Kroger, and we're glad to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today, live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Radio Noon, Athens Sports Radio, 960 The Wrap Podcast, all of the various podcast platforms. We're just happy to have you as a part of the show. It's obviously a lot of fun to be doing this with you each and every day. And a big thanks to our friends at Kroger, you know, for making all of this possible. Obviously, we've been having a lot of fun with Kroger here over the course of the last couple of weeks, getting ready for Halloween. And listen, we've been stocked up before on decorations and candy. I think some of my kids have probably eaten so much of our candy, we're going to have to go back and get a refill on that to get ready for Sunday. A lot of trick-or-treaters. Different neighborhoods have more trick-or-treaters than some. We've always had a lot of trick-or-treaters at our house. And so we're going to get stocked up on all that candy and everything else we need there at Kroger. And you can do the same thing, whether it's stopping by in-store, to see what's happening there at Kroger and take advantage of some great savings, especially as you lead up to the final days before Halloween. A great time to be shopping at Kroger. Or if you just want more details about this, start your shopping experience online. Some people still like to do that. It's Kroger.com slash Halloween for more on that. The website to go to Kroger.com slash Halloween. And you can get going with all of that today. Appreciate Kroger being a part of our program here. So we've obviously got a lot to do in the program today. It's Jeff Sintel coming up in just a little bit. A lot on UGA recruiting with Jeff, including an update on former Florida commit four-star linebacker Shamar James, who recently decommitted from the Gators. We'll talk about Julian Humphrey, a four-star defensive back, who's also recently decommitted from the Gators. And just how involved is Georgia in these two recruitments? And could Georgia really make those lousy, stinking Gator fans feel even worse about themselves by winning some of these recruiting battles before National Signing Day arrives? We'll let Jeff tell us about that coming up in a moment. Before that, though, very special treat on our program. And I mentioned the Jordan Davis interview article at ESPN.com a moment ago. I think when you look at some of the politics behind a story like this, I think you start to get the impression that maybe quietly Georgia's even more okay than they're letting on with the notion that Davis ought to be pushed as a Heisman Trophy contender. We're, we're doing that here. It's great to see the national media kind of taking uh, the baton on that now doing their own version of that there as well we think it's justified and as we've said a million times before it's not just because of what davis is as a player it's also for what he represents for this georgia defense which has been the most dominant unit in the entire country in doing it with a team first attitude buying into the notion that no one player is any bigger than any other although davis is literally bigger than everybody but no one player from a from a reputational standpoint, it's necessarily bigger than another. They're all willing to share the glory, share the stats, share the success that comes on the other end of all that. So today on our program, as we go around the doghouse delivered by Marco's Pizza, we get a chance to ask someone who knows, someone who himself has a Heisman vote, the 1982 Heisman winner, Herschel Walker, about Jordan Davis. Should he win the award? Herschel's got some great things to say about that. He also talks about his own memories of playing against Florida. He talks about the national championship season he was a part of and whether he thinks a similar goal could await this current Georgia team. This is great stuff from Herschel Walker here around the doghouse delivered by Marco's Pizza. Hope you enjoy it. And here on Dog Nation Daily and around the doghouse uh, delivered today by Marco's Pizza, it is great to have the 1982 Heisman Trophy 
winner from the Georgia Bulldogs, Herschel Walker here in our program. And Herschel, you've obviously got a lot going on in your life right now. For the most part, we'll leave that for another show to discuss. But obviously, I am so curious to find out your thought about these Georgia Bulldogs right now. You obviously won a national championship at Georgia in 1980, and this is a team in pursuit of that goal right now there as well. What have you thought about these dogs that you've seen on the field thus far this season? Well, you know, I've been happy to see them play. And, uh, you know, I, I feel, and I, I've said it publicly, I think these dogs here uh, look like they can win it all. These dogs here, uh, I feel, are a better team than we were in 1980. Uh, you know, the defense is absolutely incredible. They're very rounded on offense as well, and, and they're having a lot of fun. And when you see a team out having fun, a team that love to play, they look forward to Saturdays because they love to play. That's when you know that they're gonna they're gonna go a long way. How important is that mindset for a championship team? I mean, obviously you got to be a talented player to win it all, and you've got to have talented teammates. But it seems like, and you know, go back to 1980 for you guys. You, know, you had to pull some games out. You had to fight late to win some of those. And team chemistry, mindset, all of that kind of seems to play into that. I mean, how important is that as kind of a part of the championship formula? That's very important. You know, everyone on that team got to believe in each other. They got to believe that they can't lose. They got to all want to go out there and play because that's one of the most important things. But most of all, they got to, everybody got to know that it's the team first and then it's me. I think that's a model that they seem to have and, and it seems everybody wants to play. And I said, that's the reason they got a good team. Everybody want to make big plays. Everybody want to be a part of it. And that shows that they're that team that uh, everyone would like to see play. And, you know, everyone looks forward to seeing that defense get out there. Mm-hmm. And then look forward to seeing the offense. And it's so uh, important that you can switch players and you never lose anything. It seems like those players, it, it one come in, it's just as good as the other. And I think you got to give credit to the coaching staff, to Coach Smart, for their recruiting and for the players that they're putting on the field. And it, it, they're an incredible team. This is obviously one of those weekends that Georgia fans have circled when the calendar year begins. You're thinking about being in Jacksonville for it's been always known as the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. It's also the site of some very big games for you going back to your time as a uh, player, the unforgettable 1980 game, but also some uh, dominant performances in 81 and 82. When you think back on Georgia, Florida, and Jacksonville, the history of this rivalry, your own role in, in some of that, I mean, what do you remember about playing in Jacksonville against uh, that hated rival, the Florida Gators? What sticks out in your mind about that? Well, it's always going to be a tough game, even though we scored a lot of points and we dominated it. You know, the the first year, it was a very close game with the Lenses Scott, Lenses Scott, go Lenses Scott. (laughs) And the games after that, we dominated. But I think people have seen that. Every time there's a Georgia-Florida game, you got to go into that game ready to play. You never know what's going to happen. And this is going to be a test for the dogs. I think, you know, I love the dogs. I think uh, so many people love the dogs. But we got to remember, Florida is a good team. Florida's just not going to lay down. They're never a team that's going to lay down. And it's sort of like playing a bowl game in between the season. So everybody want to go out and play well. And, you know, being so close, there's that rivalry there that uh, we got to take very serious. You know, it doesn't matter about your record. When you go into that game, this win-loss is removed. Right now you're out there playing against a team that feels that they can beat each other. So it is going to be another great game. I think this is, a, this is another big task for Georgia to take that next step. You know, even though I may say that they're the best team in college football, a lot of people are saying that, but it's got to be proven this coming. It's got to be proven tomorrow. Uh, it's got to be proven right then on Saturday that they can go out and they can win this game. Or as a former Heisman Trophy winner, I need to get your insight on something, if you don't mind, around here. And you talked about the Georgia defense a moment ago, and we've been of the belief that the guy that's really kind of been the leader for that Georgia defense this year has been the nose tackle, Jordan Davis. And I know this is an unorthodox thing, and obviously and maybe in a normal year it'd be harder to make this push, but we've really been of the belief that a guy like Jordan Davis ought to get some consideration for the Heisman Trophy, But first of all, because a defensive player should be in discussion for this award more often than it currently is. Kirby Smart himself has kind of echoed that. And you've also seen some national media start to get behind this a little bit as well. There was an article at ESPN.com, for instance, this week 
about the idea that maybe in a little bit of an unorthodox year, a guy like Jordan Davis as the leader of a Georgia defense, when the Georgia defense has been probably the best unit in the entire country thus far this season, that a guy like that ought to get some Heisman Trophy consideration. Well, Herschel, you've got the trophy. You are a Heisman Trophy winner. What would you think about the possibility that maybe in a season like this, someone like Davis ought to be in the discussion for this award? Well, you know, you're exactly right. Uh, you know, I get to vote. Uh, and I must say, you know, that because of that defense, that defense is so good, you uh, said, man, uh, who can you give the Heisman Trophy to on that defense? And he seemed to be the leader. He's, in, he's the one that everyone talks about. You see him you see him show up every game. You know, and not only are you talking about the defense, but you talk about on the special team. Yeah. You know, he's been part of blocking field goals as well. Yep. And people are talking about this guy and this guy. You know, one thing that's very special, you know, he could have came out last year and probably went into the pros. He stayed in school to come back. That means a, a great deal to what it means to this defense. And, and you know, yeah, maybe someone else that may be the captain calling the plays, but whenever uh, you talk about this defense, you're going to talk about him. So I think that he's someone that you got to consider that got a chance for the Heisman because when you look around the league right now, who is out there that's playing well like he's playing to uh, not to get the Heisman? And he's got to be in consideration of it. No, I think that's a, a very strong statement. We'll finish with this. Obviously, for your own trip to New York City, it's one of those things that so many people have you know, great memories of. For you yourself, getting a chance to be up there, win the award, what was that like? What, when you think back on your own time as – you know, going up to New York City to receive that award and all, all the fanfare that accompany you there in uh, New York. What do you remember about that? Well, you know, I was I was just so honored. I was honored so much, you know, coming from Wrightsville, Georgia, a small town here in South Georgia, and, you know, being at the University of Georgia. And it, it was – I was honored, but at the same time, I was humbled because I was on such a great team. You know, I had a great team, and – you know, my offensive line, and I tell people this today, I'm still just so so appreciative of that offensive line I had. And I'm, I'm sort of embarrassed now, and I've been saying this for a long time. I have been shocked that uh, over the three years I was there at Georgia, the things that I did at Georgia, the awards that I won at Georgia, I didn't have an offensive lineman that made All-American. Wow. And I was, I'm was i sad about it, and, and I think about that now more than anything because – you know, I'm still so close friends with those guys. Those guys gave me a Heisman Trophy. And, you know, the team gave me a Heisman Trophy. And so it's not Herschel Walker Heisman. It's my team Heisman because we won that together. It wasn't just me. It was a, a great offensive line that, that blocked. They, they blocked their tails off for me. And I still thank them. Every time I see them, I thank them for what they've done for me. I'll tell you, it's always a great pleasure to talk uh, football with you, your career, what's happening with these Georgia Bulldogs right now. So much uh, terrific insight and all of that. Enjoy the weekend here and hopefully here on Dog Nation Daily and around the doghouse delivered by Marcos Pete. We'll get a chance to talk to you again very soon. Hey, thank you, Nine. God bless you guys and go dogs. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. All right, that is Around the Doghouse delivered by Marcos Pizza with Herschel Walker. And as you're getting ready for some... Big time stuff here this weekend, obviously. Baseball tonight, high school football with us on Peachtree TV, rolling into Jacksonville tomorrow, obviously the pro football on Sunday. Nothing goes better with all of this than uh, Marco's Pizza because it's real authentic flavor. I'm talking about old world toppings on top of a golden brown crust, baked perfectly every time. Three cheeses blended and melted together just perfectly. It's a great flavor, which matters to me. I want food that tastes good, but I also want food that comes at a great price. And that is what Marco's Pizza provides. And currently you can get a large one-topping pizza for just $9.99. Good deal on that. Large one-topping pizza, just $9.99. So check out Marco's.com or the Marco's app for more on that. And of course, check us out for our Dog Nation post-game show tomorrow as we give you the Marco's Pizza moment of the game. That's all coming up tomorrow. Around the Doghouse, uh, delivered by Marco's Pizza there. All right, we will get Jeff Sintel here. We'll talk to him about everything related to UGA recruiting, all of the uh, stuff, whether it be Shamar James or everything else going on with UGA recruiting. We'll get all of that coming up with uh, Jeff Sintel here in a couple of minutes, and we'll try to see if we can get back in a better mood before the show is done with uh, a whole bunch of really fun, cool golden shoes today uh, y'all have outdone yourselves and i've tried to get as many onto the screen as i possibly can i told you before i was getting very close to declaring some version of social media bankruptcy just because i'd gotten so much good stuff and uh probably more than i could certainly share over the course of a week's time here so that will be a fun way to kind of close things out also a couple of interesting stories from around the rest 
of the SEC here that we'll kind of dive into before we're done here today there as well, including, you know, you heard, I think one of our commenters earlier mentioned a piece that Mike Griffiths got up at dognation.com with Steve Spurrier, what he thought about Georgia. Also, a pretty blunt assessment of the current state of Florida, which I think matters going to the game on Saturday. A little bit of a hot take about the LSU situation and David Pollock weighs in maybe kind of a surprising fashion about how the SEC championship is going to unfold there too. So we'll cover all of that before our show is done today. But for now, on everything related to UGA recruiting, busy uh, uh, time here for the 2022 class. Let's get it ready to go on the road, assisted by AAA with Jeff Sintel right now. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. And this is actually a very appropriate time to be on the road, assisted by AAA with Jeff Sintel, because we will literally be on the road together this weekend, heading towards Jacksonville together after being up at Mill Creek tonight for a terrific high school football game between Collins Hill and Mill Creek on the road, and thankful to have AAA with us as we do that there as well. And Jeff, thankful to have your recruiting insight here right now. And obviously the mood today is about beating up on those lousy, stinking Gators and mocking them for everything that we can, and one of the things that's pretty easy to uh, mock Florida for right now, uh, just some recent disasters on the recruiting trail. Dan Mullen was pressed on the issue of recruiting with his press conference on Monday. We thought that was kind of cool to see him squirming, getting some tough questions about what he did during the bye week. But also over the course of the last couple of weeks, Florida's lost its two highest rated commits. Shamar James, the linebacker, Julian Humphrey, the defensive back. Let's start with James because you got a story up with him at dognation.com. Uh, what do you make of maybe Georgia trying to get in here on a guy like James, who up until recently was a Florida committee? He does hail from the state of Alabama, so you got to keep that in mind. But what do you think of the Shamar James situation at the moment? Hey everybody, happy road trip. And like uh, my man B.A. said, Brandon, I think this is a little different. He grew up in Alabama. It's Mobile, uh, which you know, sometimes that area lends itself to Florida Gators. Florida Gators or LSU Tigers as much as it does Tide and Auburn. Um, the thing is, he also didn't grow up a fan of either Tide or Tigers, which kind of maybe neutralizes the, the tug in state when you're talking about those two SCC West programs. But for me, I mean, this is what I wrote about Brandon. I thought he had one of the most mature and pointed uh, reasonings, rationales for, for decommitting from the Gators, and it had nothing to do with uh, mullets or jean shorts or lousy or stinking or anything like that. He just worried about development. He said he committed to Florida because of a great relationship with the coaching staff. But he says that's not what he needs. He says he needs to be developed at the highest level. And he, do- he doesn't think that that place is Florida, which is pretty, pretty telling in itself. Uh, he, he, he's really now just down to two schools. It's Alabama and Georgia. He told me that he trusts Glenn Schumann. He knows Glenn Schumann won't play a guy right away unless they're ready. And he looks at the, really, Brandon, right now, it's a spotless Glenn Schumann resume. Not just spotless, but it's a top-tier Tiffany's resume. When you think about you know Monty Rice, you think about the incomparable Roquan Smith, Kay Crowder, Natres Patrick, uh, lots of Bulldogs in the NFL. And then there's current megawatt stars like the Kobe Dean, Channing Tindall, and Quay Walker, a couple of those guys who had to wait to play for Schumann, and now what they look like now is pretty stinking good. So it's really an interesting story, Brendan. I think the other thing we have to add here on the Shamar James stuff is he told me he's not very likely to make a, a commitment soon. Of course, that can change. These are teenage high school guys, but uh, he wants to take the thing to early signing day, at least before a public commitment. More than that, anything else, he knows he has to visit Georgia and Alabama again. And Buddy, I tell you, this is just, I think, Kirby and this staff, they're doing things right now that I don't even think I've even seen out of them before. Shamar James, man, did not even visit Georgia until the Kentucky game. And that was his first visit. He didn't even come through and see Georgia uh, in the summer, even though he had Georgia in his top eight. And to see where Georgia is now really – really going toe-to-toe here with uh, Alabama for a top. And listen, this was really good player for Florida even. He's a top 70 player. He's the number eight linebacker in the country. Could play Will at either the Will linebacker spot at either Alabama or Georgia. So there's a lot to unpack there. 
How about on the case of Julian Humphrey here, who not only has recently decommitted from Florida, but has also, I believe, on social media this week, hinted that he could be maybe close to a recommitment again at some point in time, too, in the next couple of weeks. How real is that between UGA and Humphrey at the moment? Yeah, very real, Brandon. I think it's funny, even Shamar James uh, put a uh, red and black emojis uh, underneath underneath uh, Jalen Walker com- Jalen Walker quote tweet uh, regarding uh, Julian Humphrey's decommitment from Florida. Uh, he's a guy, dynamic kick returner, Brandon. I don't know if we talk about him enough of late. Uh, he's a four three eight. He was the fastest man at the limited skill opening uh, finals out in California this year. He's got a forty one inch vertical. Could probably play a lot more positions in the secondary for Georgia. Uh, rather than just a straight-up corner like maybe Jaheim Singletary, the other guy that's on everybody's mind uh, this month when it comes to defensive back recruiting. I mean, Humphrey is a blazer. I think there, there's recent viral social media clips out of where he's known he's making his mark with folks as a defensive back in a corner, but he, he took two kickoffs back in a game, uh, back-to-back in the same game, which – is really a telling stat for somebody that was already going to go play ball in the SEC and everybody knows about it, and he can still get that done. Uh, moving on here, you also had a really good story this week with uh, Andre Green Jr., the four-star wide receiver. And, you know, for a while there was a lot of chatter about Luther Burden, and with good reason, right? Burden's a terrific player, five-star variety, top-ten player in the country. We all understand that. But that shouldn't obscure the fact that Georgia has also gotten a chance to get involved with Green Jr. And, yes, I'm sure you and I will talk more about Kojo Antwi again at some point in time, too, although I believe that Antwi was back or maybe planning on being back uh, at, at Ohio State. So I, I do, you know, get the idea of that. But we'll probably talk about Antwi again. But Andre Green Jr. kind of also floats around right now as a pretty interesting prospect to keep an eye on. And in my mind, the kind of potentially dynamic receiver this Georgia program still very much needs. Yeah, I'm uh, bringing a lot of things to say about this young man. First of all, um, I, re- I really, if pressed, I- I- I'm not sure who I would pick if I had to choose between Luther Burden and Andre Green Jr. because I think they're different guys, kind of kind of different guys in the way that maybe a premium NFL receiver can put up numbers maybe from the slot or maybe from the Z position, and then another guy can be an X receiver. Andre Green Jr., certainly conjures up memories of another green that wore the number eight and played in Athens. He's a guy that has really strong ball skills. And, Brendan, where this recruiting has gone, most people kind of written that one off. They thought Clemson, they thought North Carolina, maybe even Penn State. Because Green visited over the summer, and he took the official then. And for if you really want to look at this stuff smartly, you had to expect, okay, Green's going to have to take another visit back to Georgia during the fall when he's visiting all the other schools unofficially, to really stay in the hunt here. And it's funny, Green had a Zoom conference call yesterday, I believe, with uh, Kirby Smart. Uh, Georgia is still recruiting very, very hard, even though they're the number one team in the country in recruiting and the number one team in the country on the field. And Andre is going to give Georgia, he told me that this week, he's going to give Georgia a very late unofficial visit. It might even be the last visit he takes before he makes his decision. He's going to visit uh, Clemson. Now, Clemson is a team that was sort of painted in the media and a lot of reports as his dream school, but they were very late to offer, and I think that has been telling because they're just now getting a chance to come back to Clemson. Brandon, he's got a wild schedule. I think six or seven of his home games in Virginia and Richmond, Virginia, they play him on Saturday, so it's really hard for him to get visits. But he says after he visits Clemson, he knows he has to get to Georgia one more time to see things. And Georgia's recruiting him like his the, as the missing piece is that George Pickens-type receiver um, that maybe we can't compare him to Green yet because Green is also incomparable. But I think we can compare him to Pickens pretty easily. Uh, he's that type of go-up-and-get-it ball skills, incredible ability you just really can't teach. And the thing I really like about him, Brandon, is he plays connect four uh, madly every night when he comes home with his dad. Wow. And those jokers are so competitive that they keep count on the notepad on somebody's phone. And at one point, he was leading his dad like 480 to 430 in terms of compet- competitive connect four if there is such a thing. And things lately have gotten so bad that his father has hid 
the, the method that they use to kind of keep track of the, of the score between father and son because that's, that's a how, dad's prerogative. That's dangerous and, As a father myself, I'll tell you that's a dad's prerogative to do that. <laughs> yeah, it's probably so. Like you can you pull know, the you, I, the way you can I pull the shoot if things aren't going well. <laughs> yeah, you you just be letting Charlie win. That's what you would be doing, sure, right? I'm sure. sure. I'm sure Andre Green Senior's not doing that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's our on the road, assisted by AAA with Jeff Sintel here today, and of course, it's always fun to talk about the uh, subject of recruiting and getting ready for a big game for Georgia against Florida on Saturday and being on the road for that. But it's also important to have other discussions there as well, which is reminding you that. If you're a wage earner that's got folks to take care of, spouse, children, things like that, obviously one of the most important decisions you can make is the decision to have quality life insurance, the kind of thing that could help keep taking care of those that you love even if you were gone. That's why life insurance matters. These are these are big, big, weighty decisions that need to be made, and putting them off certainly doesn't help your situation at all. You want to make the decision to get that in place, to give peace of mind to those that you love. That's where uh, AAA can step in for you. They are the ones to know when it comes to uh, life insurance because you can give them a call at uh, 866-695-0222. You can stop by and see them in a local AAA office, or you can go online. That's aaa.com slash life, aaa.com slash life. One of their financial services associates can be there for you to explain the entire process, all the options that are available. And then you can walk out of that conversation feeling like you did the right thing, feeling like you did take a big step towards taking care of your family. This is what we got to do sometimes, right? We got to do the adult thing. We got to do the man thing and uh, or, or the woman thing, whatever else, but make the big decision to get the life insurance that you need. AAA is going to help you with that. And there's a bunch of different ways for you to get in touch on that. By the way, speaking of a grown man, certainly that's what Branson Robinson, the Georgia running back commit looks like. And Jeff, you had a chance to be with Robinson again this past weekend. Also a bunch of other top flight prospects as well. But with Robinson in particular, you know, his recruitment and his commitment when he made it to UGA was obviously huge. And like a lot of guys, once they commit and you know kind of move on to something else, it becomes out of sight, out of mind, at least a little bit. I don't mean that disrespectfully, Robinson. I just mean that you know news cycles kind of spin in a different direction. But checking back in on Robinson again this week, how did you find him? I know he's got the name Kamari Wilson on his mind a little bit. But beyond that, how did you find the chance to help folks reacquaint with Robinson? Well, first of all, he somehow uh, acquired a bit of an injury. He's fighting through, and, you know, all jokes about, you know, Lex Luthor or Kryptonite, uh, because the young man is built like like Superman. Uh, he, he, ha- he has a bruised Achilles he's been dealing with for the last couple of weeks. He's about 85%. Still playing ball, though, still getting touchdowns for Germantown. Uh, somehow it ended up where, like, three guys uh, landed on his ankle, and he twist- and they twisted it, and... He only resulted in a, a bruised Achilles out of it, which kind of in itself is another great Branson Robinson story about how strong this guy is. He, uh, he, man, I don't know if I've really talked to a recruit that that really, to me, just man, Brandon, he is madly in love with being a Georgia Bulldog. He told me a story, you know, when he was there for the Kentucky game, that was his first ever game visit inside Stanford Stadium. We're still hearing these stories because of the pandemic where a lot of these anchor commitments in this class had still never, you know, they didn't get to visit at all until June. And now some of them are getting the chance to take their first visits into Sanford stadium. And he told me, man, this is pretty telling. He gets back to his hotel room and kind of sighs. He's like, Oh, well, got to pack up. Got to go back to Mississippi. Old boring Mississippi. This young man, as much as I've, we've ever reported on DogNation.com. This Branson Robinson fella just can't wait to be a Georgia Bulldog. I, I think he's going to be a huge fan favorite, Jeff. There's no doubt in my mind that's going to be the case. Let me also mention this, another guy that has the potential to be a huge fan favorite, or at the very least, I would say that the next 12 months will probably end up featuring a lot of conversation with this young man, one of the top couple of prospects in the country for the class of 2023 happens to hail here from the Atlanta area I'm talking about uh LT Overton who goes to Milton and is a terrific defensive line prospect and uh, you gave us another one of these early previews of him before he takes center stage as a part of the class of 2023 but Jeff it is certainly not too soon to start getting fully aware of everything that's going to be going on with Overton I think that's very uh, important for us to write that because, man, the next two or three months for the 2023 class uh, could be very, very telling, very 
very kind of like cornerstone guys could be making their decisions here. They're quietly going about their business. And, Brandon, I don't know, man, Kirby Smart, besides this stuff on the, on the field, he must be living right because Georgia got two visits from LT Overton this fall, and that really has changed the way he sees Georgia. He says there's no, really no other place kind of like Georgia's crowd, the atmosphere. He saw Georgia for a noon game. Uh, he saw Georgia the second time he came back. This is where I just kind of think Kirby's living right. Is Of all things, Kentucky is undefeated. We get that. Uh, it was a game day game. We get that. It was a top 20 game. We get that. But they had to come back for a second consecutive home game because uh, LT's mother, Eunice Thomas, was like a three-time all-SCC volleyball player at Kentucky. She's a Kentucky alum, so she had to be back in Sanford Stadium to watch that game. And for LT, he got the chance to see it again. Georgia impressed him again the way the defense plays. He says he's probably never seen a defense in college football quite like this edition of the Georgia Bulldogs. And these visits, Brandon, I think Georgia was kind of in the maybe the chaser mode between a couple of other schools with Overton. There's schools like Oklahoma, Clemson, uh, Texas A&M. A lot of schools have even offered him a double dual scholarship in basketball and football because he's a starter, key cog on Milton's defending state championship basketball team in 7A. He's also been fighting off an injury. He broke, he broke, he had, he had two fractures in his foot um, early this year, missed the first three or four games. But Overton, when he's at Georgia, now he's talking to Dan Lanning a lot. Dan Lanning was at his game last Friday night uh, on the off week. And, Things we can we can honestly report that things have really heated up there between Georgia and Overton, nation's number two overall prospect. Georgia ideally sees him as an outside linebacker type, a stand-up backer type for Lanning's room, and not where he's rated as a defensive tackle right now as the number two overall prospect in the country for 2023. Well, speaking of the 2023 class, it's going to be fun tonight to be at Mill Creek High School. There's a ton of prospects in this game between Mill Creek and Collins Hill. It's probably the top game in the country for the uh, weekend. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of curiosity for Georgia fans about what Travis Hunter may be doing on the sideline. I, I get all of that. Uh, but when it comes to 2023 class, Caleb Downs, the guy we get a chance to see tonight on the Mill Creek side, he's had an incredible year, defensive back in college, but playing both ways for Mill Creek and he's just one of a ton of top prospects we'll get a chance to see on TV tonight before we're on the road literally with AAA on our way to Jacksonville after that yeah a lot of good ones we'll get a chance to talk to Travis and see how those Georgia visits went and how he's thinking in his comeback and where he's at with that there's a young man that's catching a lot of buzz this week Colin Tills uh Sonny Redwood what a great name for a defensive end he's got 14 sacks he's got great grades He's only been playing football for about two years, and he's a guy that's a senior year evaluation. I've been told that even Redwood's going to take a chance to go see Georgia uh, at Missouri, Georgia face Missouri on November the 6th inside Sanford Stadium. So that's a prospect that certainly gets some attention. Everybody mentions Downs. Brandon, the one player that I thought Georgia really should have gotten a beat on or really should have recruited harder in the last two or three years in state was his older brother, Josh Downs. Of mm-hmm. course, the Downs brothers, their dad has an NFL pedigree resume. He played in that league. But then Josh Downs is really an un- uncheckable slot receiver. He's producing massive numbers right now for North Carolina. Actually, we mentioned Andre Green Jr. earlier in this uh, segment. Andre Green Jr. is hearing the push from Josh Downs, saying, hey, let's come be a part of something prolific in this North Carolina offense. Uh Another school that's really tight there with Andre Green Jr. But, I mean, this Caleb Downs kid, he's going to do a little bit of everything. Uh, He's rated among the top 50 players in the country. Comes from an NFL family. His older brother is already starring in NCAA football in the Atlantic Coast Conference. And that's going to be a very, very impressive guy to watch tonight. It will be fun, Jeff. Thanks for your time here on our program here today. We'll see you at the uh, field tonight and then on our way to uh, Jacksonville after that. On the road, assisted by AAA. We appreciate your time. Hey, Brandon, everybody drive safe. I've gotten a report that the St. Augustine Airport is already buzzing with folks. There you go. Uh, You guys have a great day today. Sounds good, Jeff. Appreciate it. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. All right, quick update on something. For those of you live on video right now, I guess we had uh, obviously audio issue with the Herschel Walker thing earlier. Such a disappointment. 
But we're, we're going to try to do, I guess, going to repost the Herschel Walker um, uh, interview. So stay close to Dog Nation, maybe on YouTube, probably the best way to find that. We'll see if we can get that reposted a, a little bit later on. And now we'll get ready to cruise into the SEC, courtesy of our friends with Royal Caribbean. Great time to be back on the Royal Caribbean ships again on the seas. As a lot of folks getting that travel plan as we head towards the holiday time of the year, also into 2022, no better time to start thinking about taking your next Royal Caribbean cruise or possibly your first Royal Caribbean cruise. That is what uh, Royal Caribbean is offering for you right now. And it's fun to have them back. It's fun to think about being a perfect day Coco Cay, the beautiful private island there in the Bahamas. It's fun to think about a short drive. You know, from here, Jacksonville's just a short drive on the weekend. Well, same thing, uh, just a short drive to get to Port Canaveral, probably the easiest port for those in the Atlanta area to get to. Quickly, three, four-night cruises leaving out of Port Canaveral. Mariner of the Seas, that's a ship that I've been on many times. It's a recently amplified ship, too. So the version of the ship that I have been on is actually not the same version that you've got now. It's been spruced up and looking great, and everything's terrific with that. So it's a good time to think about a cruise vacation, whether it's your next one or your first one. And obviously, you want someone who knows all about it. That's why I invite you to trust the Cruise and Vacation Authority. They're good friends of Royal Caribbean. They're good friends of ours. Uh, UGA alumni run it, and it's always fun to support dogs, and that's what uh, the Cruise and Vacation Authority is. So here's how you can get in touch. It's tcava.com. That's the website. tcava.com just stands for the Cruise and Vacation Authority. Also, give them a call, 770-952-8300. 770-952-8300. Check them out today. All right, uh, SEC through here, cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. I thought it was kind of interesting a little earlier when one of our commenters said that he felt like Steve Spurrier <laughs> doesn't like the idea of anyone kind of encroaching on his legacy at Florida, and so he's never going to be maybe all that happy for anybody that falls behind him, maybe Dan Mullen included. Maybe that's true, maybe that's not. I'm not quite so sure. I think it's an interesting thing to say, though. I did see where Spurrier was on the Fine Bomb show, and on the Fine Bomb show, uh, Spurrier was talking about what was wrong. He was asked, hey, what's wrong with Florida right now? Now, I guess I'll talk about some of the Georgia stuff, too, and Mike Griffith wrote about that, dognation.com. I'll save that for Mike. You can read that from him. But the comment that kind of got me got my attention was, hey, what's wrong with Florida right now? Uh, he says, they can't tackle. And there is something kind of valuable about that willingness just to say it like it is and, 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 and speak it out exactly what's going on. Spurrier doesn't hold back, and that's kind of exactly the, the, the way that uh, – has kind of gone for Florida this year. They have had a hard time tackling. It does put another spotlight on Todd Grantham, who clearly is under fire on the part of Gators fans. Dan Mullen taking some of that shrapnel as well because Mullen made the decision to bring him back. And it also brings to mind for me, I remember being in the press box for the Georgia-Florida game in 2017. And Georgia's up big that day. They're on their way rolling to a 42-7 victory. And I remember Spurrier coming into the press box, and he was kind of being loud and, you know, not obnoxiously loud, but just you, he was loud enough that you could hear him talking. He was definitely bothered by what he was saying, his alma mater getting dragged by Georgia. And I remember, for me, how enjoyable it was. Think about somebody who had you know, brought so much just torment to Georgia fans over the years, now feeling tormented by seeing Florida on the wrong side of a blowout victory. I remember thinking that was a uh, really pretty cool thing. So maybe we'll see some more sad spurrier in Jacksonville tomorrow. I know a lot of Georgia fans would certainly love that. A couple other stories to get to here just for a moment. Thought that Matt Barry, speaking of the Fall Feinbaum show, Barry, the ESPN host, made an opinion, and he's also a big college football fan, got a, he's got some opinions with the SEC, was on the Feinbaum show this week as well. One of the things he talked about, let me see if I can read this quote to you because it probably works better if I just read you the full thing from Matt Barry on this from the Feinbaum show, what he had to say. Yeah, so here's what Matt Barry says. He says, I think this needs to be the time that LSU grabs a coach who can be there for a decade and compete for a national championship on an, and this is the important part of the phrase, annual basis. If you put yourself in a position with the right coach now, you can dominate the SEC West for years to come. Presumably what he means by that at the end is, one way or another, we're probably near the end of the Saban era, although Saban himself is certainly not making any concessions in that regard, but it still stands to reason that at 70 years old, he'll be coaching as his coaching career will come to an end sooner rather than later. But how about the idea that for LSU fans who've now seen their last three coaches win national championships, Ed Orgeron won one, Les Miles won one, Nick Saban won one, but the permanence for each of those guys had a hard time lasting. I would say for each, it's been for kind of different reasons. 
But that is the thing that LSU seemingly craves. Okay, who's the guy who's going to come here, stay here, build the consistent winner that lasts for a while? I don't know that anyone has ever had a poorer defense of a national championship than what LSU has had going off the 2019 season. Arguably, you can make case that the 2019 LSU team was the best of all time. It was certainly probably the best that that has existed since I've been following college football closely. I don't know that any team could have beaten the firepower that LSU had offensively. But what's that worth to you in 2021 with Ed Orgeron now coaching as a lame duck and Joe Brady now in Carolina as the offensive coordinator, Joe Burrow now in Cincinnati as, as the quarterback, and the guys that were given the baton after that they haven't done much to follow up on all of that. So Matt Barry, I think, speaks for a lot of LSU fans when they say what we're looking for is not to get come in here and win because LSU is one of the best jobs in the country. Everybody's going to probably win there at least a little bit. But can you win and then stay? Can you win and then compound on that and win some more? Can you build something that lasts for a decade or longer? That's the one thing that LSU's kind of found hard to do. And I think that's an interesting point from Matt Barry. I'll also mention this here real quick that – uh, David Pollock, I know, has gotten, gotten some attention. I guess it was College Ball Live this week. He made his pick for Alabama to win the SEC championship right now over Georgia. And a lot of Georgia fans kind of noticed that. The only thing I'll say about this, and we'll have plenty more time to talk about that in the time that is to come. The only thing I'm going to say about that right now is, is I think it does speak to the notion that I don't care what Georgia does the rest of the way in the regular season. And look, there's a chance that Georgia may be threatened at some point in time during the regular season. It's hard to go f- through a full year. For Georgia, this would end up being 11 consecutive games with kind of coasting and winning everything easily. That's a hard thing to do. So there's a chance they may be getting get threatened in the regular season. But even if they don't, let's say that Georgia wins its remaining regular season games the way that it's won its last, what, six? You have to go back to the Clemson game to see a team really playing close with Georgia throughout the entirety of the game. So if Georgia's 12-0 and riding high and if the if the wins they've garnered since the week one game against Clemson are all easy wins, I don't think that changes the narrative of what the SEC championship game is supposed to be. I mean, right now, there are some doubters of Alabama. There are some that are questioning what, you know, what really does Alabama bring to the table. But I don't think the doubts about Alabama are significant enough. I don't think the, bra- the, the praise of Georgia will be substantial enough to change the fact that when Georgia goes into Atlanta in December with likely Alabama on the other side there, there is still a lot for Georgia to prove. And the majority of the analysts, by the time you get to that point, no matter what they're saying now, I believe by the time you get to December, the majority of the analysts are still likely to be picking Alabama there to the extent that matters at all. So if you're a Georgia fan, you want to prove those guys wrong or see those guys proven wrong by the dogs in the field, that's what, as we said on Monday, show. that's what Saturday becomes about one more time. Georgia hasn't played in two weeks. And for some people, that can be out of sight, out of mind, easy to forget what made UGA number one to begin with. But with a lot of measuring stick stuff going on right now, what Ohio State's doing, certainly the darling of the NF, uh, of, of the league, of, of the country, what Caleb Williams is doing now that he's been inserted as Oklahoma's quarterback, what Alabama not playing this Saturday, but is also trying to do in proving that they're still a part of the national conversation. Well, Georgia gets a chance to send a message against Florida on Saturday, and I would take that seriously, and we'll make that your SEC through. And very quickly here, before we run through a bunch of very funny, very entertaining golden shoes, Let's also remind you about a really cool new thing from the Finnish Long Drink. You've heard me tell you before about the Finnish Long Drink, and you've heard me tell you that the Long Drink comes in four different varieties. There's the Long Drink Traditional, which is a blue cam with a grapefruit flavor and a gin kick. There's the Long Drink Cranberry, which obviously has the cranberry flavor, Long Drink Zero, and Long Drink Strong. Guess what? Some of you are saying, well, I'm not really quite sure which of those that I want. Do I want the cranberry? Do I want the grapefruit? Do I want the, the, the zero sugar? Do I want the long drink strong, which is 8.5% alcohol by volume? What if I told you you could get all four? What if, I could told you, what if I told you that the finished long drink now has eight packs that includes two different cans of all four varieties of the finished long drink? You want to talk about a great way to uh, uh, make everybody happy that you're trying to please here this weekend, or uh, maybe it's just for yourself and you want a little bit of taste of all four of them that's what the finished long drink has right now those variety packs that include all four varieties of the finished long drink you can find that by going to the longdrink.com and put in your zip code and you can find out what bar or what beverage store or wherever you can find out where you can pick up some finished long drink today it looks like a beer because it comes in a can but it doesn't Tastes like a beer. It's a ready-to-drink cocktail right out of a can. You don't have to be a professional mixologist to put all this together. That's what the finished long drink provides for you. So thelongdrink.com. You can find out where you can pick up one of these 
eight-can variety packs of all four varieties of the finished long drink today. Uh, really fun. All right, speaking of really fun, let's have some fun on the way out the door here with our golden shoes. And as you might imagine, on Gator Hater Countdown Day 1, we have gotten so many of these. So let's fly through them uh, and give some due credit to some Georgia fans who are clearly having a lot of fun right now, both with the world's largest outdoor cocktail party with hashtag JD to NYC. Just some terrific stuff. Let's roll through this right now. Here's the first one. Our buddy Mad Dog, and this is so cool. How about the old school house, like the farmhouse type look? That's the gator stuff painted on it. Then you got the Georgia tornado blowing through here. And Mad Dog says a storm is coming to Jacksonville this Saturday. He gives you the gator hater. And Mad Dog's been so good at this all year long. It'd only be appropriate to have him involved in this today. And that is truly one of his best. Good job, Mad Dog, on that. How about our next one? Rambo sent this t-shirt that says, so I made the Gators. I guess no one's perfect. And that's supposedly a quote by God who, uh, uh, certainly Rambo has uh, to show 803 on Twitter. Very funny stuff there about maybe God regretting making those lousy stinking Gators. Don't know if God feels that way, but I know I certainly feel that way. So, uh, pretty good stuff. Rambo there on that. Josh Johansson checks in. This kind of stuff always makes me so happy. So the image you see here is of Josh and what looks to be a pretty good looking breakfast there. I see some hot sauce and some eggs. I see some bacon and maybe a little bit of sausage underneath that. That looks really good. And on the TV screen across the room there, you see me doing Dog Nation daily. And Josh says, baby's napping. Braves won. Dogs play in Florida this weekend. And I get it open up. Uh, how about this for uh, Mark Broussard at District Live in Savannah tonight? So that's a really cool thing. He says, it's going to be a great week, y'all. Pre-gaming with a little Dog Nation daily. First of all, Josh, congratulations on the Big musical moment there. That's a really cool thing. And obviously trying to enjoy a fun week here. And hopefully the uh, Braves will continue their winning ways in game three tonight. So that's great stuff. Rob McNew checks in to say, when you see a Gator coming down the field, who are you going to call? Jordan Davis. A little bit of a play on the Ghostbusters theme in honor of uh, Halloween. And that is clearly a golden shoe-worthy submission by Rob McNew. Very funny stuff and uh, terrific there. How about our next one? Chase Smith uh, responding to ESPN, who are putting out the four Heisman favorites. And Chase says, you spelled Jordan Davis wrong. And he gives you the hashtag JD to NYC. Love the fact that Georgia fans are pushing this so hard right now. Chase, terrific job on that. Decatur uh, Dog gives you a cool meme here. And it's also Halloween related. This one for Nicobe Dean. It says, Nightmare on Gator Bowl Boulevard, October 30th, 2021. And you better believe that. Dean and Davis, because he also gives you the hashtag JD to NYC. You better believe all of those dogs and be doing some stuff defensively. Jermaine King with another one of his works of art. He's great at the the comic strip type look here. So what he writes on Twitter is, I've been saving this one just for the Georgia-Florida game, Golden Shoe Award Gator Hater. And there's like a Dan Mullen clown. And Mullen says, you can't beat me. I'm the quarterback whisperer, an offensive genius. And the Florida fans love me. And Kirby Smart in the comic strip here says, wrong, Mullen, you're a clown that can't recruit. Your fans want you gone, and I'm here to stop you. That is great. And down at the bottom, he also gives you the hashtag GatorHater, hashtag uh, JD to NYC. Speaking of JD, how about, you know, there's been a lot made of the Godzilla nickname. How about Godzilla here with the Jordan Davis jersey, the famous chain around the neck, holding the Heisman Trophy. This is great stuff by uh, Russell Jafaris. And hope I uh, pronounced Russell's last name. Maybe it's Jafaris. Jafaris, uh, Russell. Either way, I hope I didn't mispronounce your name. But truly, a Godzilla-like golden shoe submission. That's terrific. And thanks for making that hashtag JD to NYC stay alive. But a couple more fun ones. Robert Morris writes in to say, "Have you ever ma- seen an alligator make the surrender cobra? Surrender cobra with all those little arms? No. You can watch on Saturday. For those of you who don't realize, the surrender cobra was the thing that got made famous on the internet a couple of years ago when like fans are losing. They kind of do the they're, they're like shocked or disappointed. They kind of do the head, hands behind the head thing. And supposedly this looks like a cobra. That's the surrender cobra move. And so Robert says that the little tiny little gator arms are kind of hard to do the surrender cobra. So uh, that's pretty funny as a uh, golden shoe. Uh, Arnold Santiago, who's got the Braves avatar right now, says he's riding with hashtag JD to NYC, Jordan Davis. And obviously our buddy Barrett Slee also making that case as a part of the CBS 24-7 sports family right now. So good to see more media kind of getting in on the hashtag JD to NYC train. I believe we have a couple more to give you here. Brian Whitehead, how about this? He says this is the sign that he's taking to the Paul Feinbaum show on Friday. Uh, Feinbaum there from Jacksonville. He says it's Dan Mullen's recruiting plan. TikTok dance video, wakeboarding tricks, Darth Vader costume, and 
Yeah, that's uh, that's about what uh, Mullen's doing right now. He's doing a lot of silly things like that while Kirby Smart is collecting all the top-end talent. Brian, I hope you get that signed there on TV. You're obviously a very clever Georgia fan, and I'm sure you've got some uh, great stuff planned for the weekend. Uh, Fanastic6 uh, writes in to say that he has a son that says, I hate Florida so much that I dumped my girlfriend because she's from Florida. Go dogs. Um, he also has a great poem. Now, this is true poetry right here. He says, Georgia is red, Florida is blue, Dan Mullen's on the hot seat, and his season is through. That is artistic right there. What a great poem that is, and a great job by uh, Fantastic Six on Twitter for that. Very, very clever and very, very well done. Bubba West also pushing the hashtag JD to NYC theme here, recognizing that Paul Feinbaum is also continuing to talk about that. And you love the way in which the national media is just getting involved with this because obviously they get the big platform. They can help blow this stuff up even even more. So I love the fact this is kind of getting out there into the universe. That's a great thing to be able to see. I think we have a couple more maybe. I guess this is the last one. So William Perry, who commissioned the very funny Mike Griffith artistic work we saw the other day of him on the party pooper side of the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, shares this photo from the 2017 game. How about the family of Sony Michelle enjoying Michelle? Remember his long touchdown run against Florida there that day? Uh, how about the family of Sony Michelle here looking over the shoulder as they celebrate that run? Nothing better than that. That's what it's all about. As for as much as all of us enjoy these Georgia games, you know, we approach this from a fan standpoint or a media standpoint, but when it's your own son out there on the field, when it's your family that's out there representing your last name on the back of his jersey, having great success. There's something truly special about that, and that is really a, a great thing to be able to see. So to all the Golden Shoe submissions, those that were able to show, those we maybe didn't have time to show here today, really just appreciate you making this a fun year for me leading up to this game and a fun day today in putting some of these on display. So great stuff there. Now, this is the day we've all been waiting for. We started at, what, 300-whatever days on that? And obviously, the mood around the Gatorator countdown this year was a little different related to the fact that it was a revenge game. Last year, at the end of that game in November, there wasn't a lot of good feelings. And you could explain it away by saying, oh, it's a pandemic year or Georgia was injured. But the fact of the matter is, those reasons, as realistic as they were, don't take the pain away when you lose to a goofball clown like Dan Mullen, when you lose to those lousy, stinking Gators. Eddie knows it. You know it. We all know it. Saturday's a big day from the dogs. It is one day away. Our Gator Hater countdown stands at just 24 hours from now, relatively speaking. Georgia gets to get its revenge against Florida. We get to celebrate the cocktail party. Georgia gets a win over its biggest rival, taking another step to what could be a magical championship season. Great stuff there. We'll see you Monday, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger.